0: If you have your Bible with you, or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, New Testament book of Mark, chapter 10. For the last time, we'll be in this chapter, chapter 10, this morning, verses 46 to 52. If you're a guest with us, we are working our way through this book, following Jesus along the way. As Mark shows us Jesus as our King in this section, in which we are ending this morning, is all about what it means to follow Jesus. This section, Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10, starts and ends with a blind man. That happens for an important reason. This picture shows us what faith looks like, shows us what it actually means to follow Jesus. And so today, as we end this section... I want you to ask yourself if you see yourself in this blind man, Bartimaeus. With all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. This is the word of the Lord. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, The son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. He recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I am not a role model. Parents are role models. Just because I dunk doesn't mean I should raise your kids. These are the words of Charles Barkley in one of his most famous Nike commercials. He didn't want little kids looking up to him thinking he was the hero. He just knew how to play a sport. Tried to steer the kids back to who the real heroes of life were. It's an important message for us to keep in mind when we read the Bible. We often Look at the stories we read and look for a hero. And too many times we find it in the wrong person. We read about David and we think David's the hero. We read about Abraham and think he's the hero. Moses, on and on and on. But if you pay attention, you should hear Charles Barkley's words ringing in your head. They are not the hero. Friend, if you take nothing else today, this would be a great thing to take home. When you read the Bible, God is the hero. Jesus Christ is the hero every single time. He is the king. That's what we see over and over again in Mark. But you know what? One mentor always told me, know the rules so you can break the rules. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. Because when you look at Bartimaeus, he is a hero. We should be like him. Brothers and sisters, what Mark is showing us, true faith looks like this. If you want to see what a disciple looks like, look at Bartimaeus. In the midst of three chapters where we see all the failures of Peter, James, and John and all those heroes, we see what? Faith in Jesus is supposed to look like in this simple, blind man. And if you have eyes to see, I want to show you three glimpses at true faith this morning. So may God give us eyes to see these truths along the way. And I ask for you to consider if these characteristics are a part of your life, a part of your story, because this is what Christianity looks like. The first glimpse at faith we see is faith's first step in the cry for mercy. Let's read verses 46 to 48 to see faith's first step. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. In the setup, Mark names Jericho twice. It's an important detail. In the journey to Jerusalem, Jericho was the sign on the interstate that meant the trip was almost over. And the kids could stop asking, are we there yet? Because when you see Jericho, you know you are almost there. In the midst of the Judean desert, it was the last oasis on the way where you could pick up some cool water for the rest of your journey. That's why R.C. Sproul notes that Jericho was a place of refreshment for weary travelers. And in this journey that we are on with Jesus and his disciples, that's what this passage is, a bit of refreshment along the way. Jericho was 3,500 feet below Jerusalem. It's one of the lowest cities on earth. And so even though we're close, we have a long way to climb to the cross. We still have a long way to go. But it was not just the 12. You'll see in this passage that there was a great crowd making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It's that time of year, getting close to the Passover, people of Israel are flocking to the city of David to worship God for what he did when he rescued Israel out of Egypt. What's not unusual is that you would see a blind man. The blind men, blind women in that day strategically put themselves in the way of these pilgrimages because they knew the spiritual people of the nation were walking by. It was probably the best time of the year to get some change, to be able to make ends meet, to get whatever scraps of food they could to eat. This is not unusual that we run into Bartimaeus. What is unusual is that we know his name. This is the only person in Matthew, Mark, and Luke who is named when they are healed. That hints at something I'll mention later. I'm going to save it so you might stick with me. But if nothing else, this is a flashing sign, just his name. Hey, this matters. This guy has... Much as it may seem that he's pretty ordinary, this guy matters. It's a, it's a message that the individual matters to Jesus. And that alone brings home the point of chapters 8, 9, and 10. We called this section a few weeks ago a recruiting trip. We see a lot of different options who could be recruited to the team. And this guy is on the total end of the spect- other end of the spectrum, as the rich young ruler who looks like a great prospect, who looks like a great recruit. This man, Bartimaeus, brings nothing to the table. The only reason we know him is a disability, something he does not have. But as Jesus has said in this chapter, Mark 10, verse 31, many who are first will be last, and the last first. That is good news for blind men like Bartimaeus. Just like always seems to happen, a problem comes in. The people try to stop Bartimaeus from getting to Jesus. A lot like the disciples who tried to keep the kids away from Jesus. But Bartimaeus knows his needs, and he's not going to let anybody stop him from getting to Jesus. You want a glimpse at faith? That's the kind of determination and the desperation that marks true faith. Nothing gets in your way. But Bartimaeus, unlike the 12, unlike all these people who, the 5,000 who saw Jesus take bread and fish and, and feed a multiple of people, a crowd of people, Bartimaeus had never seen Jesus do anything. He had never seen a healing, he'd never seen an exorcism, but he heard. And he had heard enough. Romans 10, verse 17 faith comes hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. When the blind man hears that the Christ is within reach, twice he calls out, son of David, have mercy on me, which is amazing. This means this blind man sees more than everybody else you've met so far. His vision is 2020 when it comes to Jesus Christ. He sees two things. First, he sees who Jesus is. This is the only place in the book of Mark where anyone calls Jesus the son of David. That hope points back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God promises David a son who would reign forever. The son of David was the Messiah. And that is how this blind man is addressing him. Now, remember, Jesus has been trying to keep his identity a secret. Anytime somebody gets a sense of who Jesus might be, he tells them to be quiet. Peter is the only one who recognized that Jesus is the Christ, and then he tried to stop him. And then only by hearing about who this man is and what he's done, this blind man recognizes this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This, brothers and sisters, is good soil. To borrow a parable from Mark. This is what faith looks like when it sees God at work. But Bartimaeus not only gets who Jesus is, he knows his need. Bartimaeus doesn't come to Jesus and claim anything. He's not like the rich young ruler bragging about how many rules he's followed. He understands that his faith rests solely on compassion. His only claim is the goodness and grace Of the Messiah. If you look back at verse 26, when the rich young ruler turns away from Jesus, the disciples ask, Who then can be saved? And Mark gives us the answer this guy. People like this. That's why J.C. Ryle called this the first step of a Christian. Let me ask you. You've stepped into this building, but have you taken this step? Have you recognized who Jesus claims to be, who he is, what he's done? And at the same time, have you seen your need for his mercy? That you cannot claim anything, any goodness of your own, that your only hope is in this son of David. And what he has done on the cross for your sins and in his resurrection. And have you got on your knees and cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. It's not enough to know who he is. You have to bank on the mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ. Even David himself said in Psalm 51 verse 1, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Friend, if you've never cried out that prayer, take that first step of faith in Christ. And friends, in the midst of this crowd here today, I would just want to encourage you this. Like Bartimaeus, Jesus knows your name. You stand out in the crowd. He sees you as if you were here alone. And whatever you're going through, whatever pain, whatever problem, whatever struggles, whatever disability, Jesus has enough mercy for you. It overflows. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, let me remind you if you belong to Jesus. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We get another glimpse at true faith in Christ through Bartimaeus. After the first step, we see faith's one desire. Faith's one desire in his requests for sight. Look at verses 49 to 51. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Last week, we talked about the determination of Jesus. He's locked in. He's focused on Jerusalem, on the cross in front of him. Nothing is getting in his way. The devil's temptation in the desert failed. The disciples' political hopes and dreams and their temptations to go a different way failed. The king is on the move. Nothing is getting in his way. So don't miss three words in verse 49. And Jesus stopped. He stopped his journey to the cross. But it wasn't because somebody was tempting him. It wasn't because somebody had a great plan for him. He stopped for the blind man. Others thought this guy was an interruption. This is the second piece of evidence we have that Jesus cared about Bartimaeus. Even the cross wasn't so important he couldn't take a minute to spend time with Bartimaeus and to show us what faith looks like. Friend, if you come to the king begging for mercy, Jesus will stop for you. He's not too busy. He doesn't have more important things to do. Even with everything going on in the world, Even as Jesus holds all things together and reigns over all things in the midst of everything I could name and cause our blood pressure to go up, Jesus has enough time for anything, anyone who begs him for mercy. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. To help in time of need. The question is not if Jesus can give us some mercy in a time of need. The question is if we're going to draw near and ask him for it. When Jesus stops, he asks a familiar question. Verse 51 is the same question as verse 36. Same chapter. What is that? 15 verses? Jesus says to two different people, What do you want me to do for you? James and John, who should know better, want power and privilege. These two super apostles who have been in the the school of the cross, who've been at the mountain of the transfiguration, who've seen all the miracles, who've heard all the lessons, what do they want? Greatness, but the world's kind. They want authority. Now, when Jesus asks this blind man again who's seen nothing, you get a glimpse at what faith looks like. With simplicity and honesty, Bartimaeus doesn't ask for anything great. He knows this is the Christ who's going to reign. He knows this is the king. And instead of asking for all the glory that heaven has to offer, He asked for the simple ability to see. The hits keep on coming. This guy gets it. No one else calls Jesus the son of David. But here's another thing. Only one other person uses this term, rabbi, for Jesus. It's not just a a traditional word for rabbi that means teacher, it's more meaningful than that. The other person who used it was Mary Magdalene after the resurrection, when she saw Jesus like no one else had. This word was never used for a human being. Sometimes it was used in prayer for God. And so this blind man is not just addressing a synagogue teacher. He's casting his tears. On God himself because he knows God cares for him. Watch Bartimaeus. This is faith. When given the chance to ask God for anything, he doesn't want the best seat in heaven. He just wants to see. Matthew 5 verse 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart Matthew 5 verse 8 blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God Now I want you to think about this If Jesus came to you and said what do you want me to do for you What would you answer What would you say to him What do you most want God to do for you right now what do your prayers sound like? So many times, if you listen closely, our wants sound more like James and John. We want the treasure and the glory, we want the we want the peace, we want to see our loved ones in heaven. We want our we want prestige and honor. Listen to the cries of Bartimaeus. What he wants is what God wants us to want. Catch that? What Bartimaeus desires more than anything is what God wants us to desire with a heart of faith. Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses said, Please show me, let me see your glory. Make that your desire. Make that your request. Every prayer will be answered yes. God never refuses the opportunity to show off his glory, to show who he is. You will see that no matter what you're looking for. Revelation 1 verse 7, John says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will well wail on account of him, even so, amen. But until that day, we have a path to follow, we have a journey to go on. That's the whole point of Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10 the way of the cross. We've seen that over and over again, and that's why Bartimaeus shows us it better than any other disciple so far. This third glimpse of true faith I want you to see is faith's only path. It is your only option. Once you beg for mercy and see God's glory, this is the steps you must take. The way of the cross. Let's look at verse 52. Jesus said to Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. In one statement, if you look at it closely, in one statement, you see the whole Christian life. You see the moment Christian life begins and you see the rest of it, the way we progress through salvation. You see the trailhead and the trail, all in one. Jesus says, your faith, has made you well. Your translation may actually have a better word here. The word literally for well is saved. This is more than just a physical healing. This is the same word as in verse 26 when they say, who can be saved? And Jesus says, your faith has done that. A clear picture of the fundamental truth of the gospel of salvation By grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friend, let me be crystal clear in case you haven't picked up on it. There is nothing you can do. To earn God's grace. The only way you will live with him forever in heaven is when you receive his grace by faith. And trust him at his word. If you are trying to earn God's love, you are fighting a losing battle. He just wants your trust. But in that next verse in Ephesians chapter 2, we also see the trail. The journey ahead, as God has prepared good works for us. Bartimaeus shows us what that looks like. Jesus says, go your way. And what happens? He doesn't go his own way. He follows Jesus on the way. And that phrase Mark has used over and over again to mean the cross. Bartimaeus leaves everything and follows Jesus to Calvary. The blind man, wow. Imagine if you were blind your whole life. And Jesus heals you, says you're saved, so you know you're good. Son of David just told you you're saved. If anybody has assurance of salvation, it's Bartimaeus. He's in. And then the king gives you permission to go do whatever you want. Go your own way with blessing. Wouldn't you like to go see some things? Wouldn't you like to go see the Mediterranean Sea? You've heard that's nice. Wouldn't you like to go to the Colosseum? Wouldn't you like to see the mountains, the snow? Wouldn't you like to see anything? And Bartimaeus passes and follows his rabbi who's going to die. That's what he chooses to see. That's what he chooses to do, to follow his king. Friends, salvation is not a one-time transaction. It's not a single moment where you get all the benefits, but the rest of the journey is optional. Friends, walking down an aisle and saying a prayer and then living the rest of your life like it never happened is not salvation because it is not faith. Faith that believes in Jesus is a faith that follows Jesus. This is what faith looks like. Remember how I told you that Mark was hinting at something by telling us Bartimaeus' name? This is where it comes out. The reason Mark includes Bartimaeus' name as he's writing to the Roman church in the first century is most likely because they knew who Bartimaeus was. He mentions Bartimaeus and his dad because now, after following Jesus to the cross, he has some influence in the church, and people know who he is, and they've seen his life change because this man didn't just believe in Jesus. When when Jesus changed him forever, he followed Jesus. He became part of Jesus's family. Friends, true discipleship starts by coming to Jesus for mercy, but then it submits to Jesus to live for his name. Now, you may say you have come to Jesus once in your life for mercy, but the real question of Mark is, are you still coming to him on the way to the cross? Are you still taking up your cross day by day? Counting every gain as loss for the sake of Jesus' name. Not, have you had a moment where you believed, but have you given your life? What does that look like for you right now? Are you following Jesus on the way? Are you just banking on a moment that happened in your life a long time ago that really hasn't resonated through the rest of your life. And you can tell by the way you talk, by the the way you spend your time, you're you're not following Jesus on the way. You give him the token moments of your life and bank that it's enough. Friends, we need to be able to say with Thomas, who didn't really get it at the time, in John 11, verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. Is that your heart as you follow Jesus? Friends, in this day, when it's really, it's tough and it's easy to be full of complaints and wishes, we have to remember who we're following. We are following a suffering servant. We are following a man who gave his life as a ransom. Following him on the way isn't going to be easy. We will not get any better than he got. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, has mercy for us in our time of need, and he will reign and we will be with him forever. We will see him as he is. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. I want to close with this section. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, Let us pray.